Hello and welcome to Let the Stone Speak. This is a podcast where we talk about the latest in biblical archaeology. I'm joined by an Armstrong Institute researcher, Mr. Christopher Reams. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Brent. We were talking to uh, Mr. Eames a couple of weeks ago. Uh, That podcast was quite popular about the Exodus and looking for the Exodus inside the Hebrew Bible. If you haven't seen that, go to our YouTube page or our website, armstronginstitute.org, and you can catch up on the material that we are covering there. Today, we're going to look forward in history and a little bit back in history, a kind of book around the, the time of the Exodus to the enigmatic people of the Philistines. You've written an article entitled, Are Philistines During Abraham's Time Evidence Against Bible Historicity? This is a question that I remember when I was kind of first looking into Bible archaeology, what proof exists there to corroborate the biblical story. This was probably one of the top five reasons that people would deny the uh, the biblical text going back to the first five books of the Bible. Basically, Abraham and Isaac dealing with the Philistines. And this article that you that you've written here takes great aim at that and discusses what the Bible actually says about these early Philistines. So why is uh, why is this argument used against the historicity of the Bible? Uh, when referring to the Philistines? Well, a lot of this comes down to um, in, inscriptions from Egypt, a few inscriptions relating to the reign of Ramses III and his encounters with a people called the Peleset. And the Peleset is um, very closely, almost exactly the same as the Hebrew um, word for the Philistines. And uh, his inscriptions, like like... Uh, described on Medinat Habu in Egypt, record his interactions with these Mediterranean island people, the sea peoples who come down and uh, try and conquer the northern part of Egypt. And you get a sense from his writings that that following the defeat of these peoples, uh, Ramses III allowed them to be resettled in the Holy Land. Mm -hmm. And from that time forward, you've got kind of this resettling happening, this emergence of these people in in on the western coast of Canaan. And you do get a picture of that as well in the Bible from the Judges period. Right, uh, right around that time, uh, you, you start to hear more and more mention of the Philistines, uh, a slight mention at the time of Shamgar, and then more and more uh, as it seems this this group of people are migrating in up to ultimately the time of Samson and into the days of Samuel. You've got uh, a real headache for the Israelites, which is this this entrance and and real explosion of a Philistine population. So that part of the Bible really goes together with what the Egyptian records say about um, uh, the the Levant the Levant Levantine area. Uh, at loggerheads with this newly emerging people from the Mediterranean Sea. But like you say, the big question is, well, what about in the time of the patriarchs? Is that evidence against the Bible? Is that evidence that this was kind of made up by later writers, kind of interpolating the Philistines of their time or uh, uh, tracking back to the time of Abraham with the, the, the status quo of their day, right. kind of putting overlaying that onto a, a fictional account, essentially. Perhaps I would just pause you there because what you've described 
uh, from the judges' period onwards. We're not going to cover that in this in this um, podcast episode. We covered that, uh, I think, maybe a couple of months ago. Months ago, as more evidence came from the excavations of Ashkelon. Uh, Daniel Master had a piece in Biblical Archaeology Re- Review talking about DNA evidence, which really does uh, back up what you say here about even the early early Philistines. But specifically in that, it talks about and shows how there was a migration of Philistine of people that came from most likely Crete from the evidence that he found from his excavations, which backs up the Bible of the Philistines that you're describing about the main group of Philistines that people think about when they think about um, the people uh, related to Goliath. Let's put it that way, because we'll get to him today uh, and the story of, you know, David, Saul, Samson, and even to the middle judges period, that history of a migration of people to this area called Philistines is now supported by the Bible and by archaeology. What about the early Philistines, though? Well, that's a good question. So typically, this is just dismissed as, well, the Bible is trying to describe exactly the same people. Mm-hmm. But when you do a deep dive into this and, and the Hebrew language and the, and the Greek language, as, as we'll talk about here in a bit, you really see that it's a lot more nuanced and there's a lot of detail in the biblical account that can that can't be simply dismissed and so with this article are philistines during abraham's time evidence against bible historicity uh, one of the starting points i take in this article is looking at the septuagint translation now this is a translation from the third century bce on into the second century uh, of the hebrew bible into greek so uh, the that with when it comes to translations they're a real gem because you can get an understanding of what the what the what the understanding was at the time of the writers the jewish writers uh their understanding of the scriptures based on how they were translating mm-hmm. things and when it comes to the philistines we have a really interesting situation so the philistines mentioned hundreds of times throughout the hebrew bible and like we talked about during the judges period, you have uh, this match with the archaeological evidence of this polity coming in from the Mediterranean. What you see in the Septuagint is from Genesis through to Joshua, one name for these Philistine peoples, used for these Philistine peoples, and then from Judges through the rest of the Tanakh, through the rest of the Hebrew Bible, you have another name entirely. So you've got this two separate, uh, these two separate groups of people highlighted in the Septuagint. Uh, the, the ones from Genesis to Joshua are called Philistine, and then the ones from, Joshua, uh, from Judges through to the end of the Hebrew Bible are called Eliphaloi. So a totally which, different word. Totally different word. And Eliphaloi means foreigners or from other nations. So you've got a remarkable distinction here. As far back as 2,300 years ago, the time of the Septuagint, you've got record of this. And there was one, there's one author that I quote in, in this article who just notes how rabbinic authorities um, from this time forward, rabbinic authorities just insist that the Philistines of Abraham's time, Genesis, the Torah, are completely different 
to the Philistines of the later period. And this is before modern scholarship. This is before people are coming forward and crying afoul that, well, the Bible must have just been confused. So you could kind of ask, well, who's behind the times here? Right. Like this was already a well-established thing that these are different peoples. And a quote from a, a Midrash Tehillim, uh, uh, rabbinical commentary on Psalm 60, and there's this really, really cool quote in there talking about how the Israelites confronted the later later Philistines, if we can call them that, the Eliphaloi, as the Septuagint would call them, and they approach them and say, you are not real Philistines. You are not the people that our fathers talked mm-hmm. to, Abraham uh, talked to in the past. So you have this real remarkable distinction between these two different peoples. So you would say that, you know, the 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 markers of the Philistine people ethnically that we that we know them as, you know, this Greek Aegean culture that they bring to this area, you're saying that that matches this that matches well with this later Philistines. However, you would expect a different material culture um, from the earlier Philistines because they're different people. Right. So with that starting point of, okay, the Septuagint uh, clearly delineates these as different people, and okay, this was the understanding of the, the Jewish people at that time, that didn't come out of thin air. Right. So, okay, where does that understanding come from? Because in the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew word is the same, but yet you do find this distinction between two completely different people, even though it uses that same word, from Genesis onto the time of Joshua, and then from Judges on through the rest of the Bible. So in this article, I go through some key identifying points. One of the most famous is the five lords of the Philistines. The, uh, this, the, the word lords is seranim, and it's, it's long been associated with the Greek, related to the word tyrannos, um, and related to this Mediterranean polity that came in and displaced the original Philistines mm-hmm. in the land. So from this time of, of Joshua onwards, through the rest of the Hebrew Bible, you find this title, Lords, Pentapolis Lords. You've got the Pentapolis of itself. You, you've got Gath, uh, Ekron, Ashdod, and so on. And you've got the five lords of these cities. Yet in all the earlier material, you never have that. You've got kings with mm-hmm. the Canaanite Hebrew word, melech, melechim. Um, you've got different city-states altogether. You've got Ava, Gesher. Um, you've, you've got completely separate uh, territorial names and names for the leadership. And there are numerous other differences besides just the personal names of of individuals uh yeah, i thought this was interesting yeah the 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 names that we see associated with the kings during david's time the philistines or the lords of the philistines uh as opposed to who abraham had a relationship with right for so for the the early philistines in the torah you've got uh canaanite names and then for the later Philistines throughout the rest of the Tanakh, you've got Indo-European names, names with Indo-European roots. And then you get a different sense for these different polities uh, as you read through the Bible as well. And I go through several points about this uh, from friendship. There's more of a friendly kind of uh, setting in, in the earlier 
account of the Philistines versus one primarily of animosity in the later. Uh, There are numerous different points that I go through in this article, but that all come together to clearly show that, okay, these are two very different peoples, very different uh, uh, setup uh, of their kingdoms, shall Mm -hmm. we say, lords versus kings. Um, In in the, the early part of the Bible, you have them described as a single polity, as a king of the Philistines, and then in the later, you've got them, uh, the Philistine rulers, described as separate lords rather than an overall king of the Philistines. So these are no way, in no way, uh, comparable as some kind of the same made-up group of people from much later writers. There's a lot more nuance than that. And so you, you in your article, you bring out that, you know, if you go back to the first five books of the Bible, typically this, this patch of land, the Bible is very clear that this patch of land that, that gets designated as Philistine territory, there were, these people were native Canaanites rather than, and very similar to the other people of the land, um, as opposed to an influx of outsiders. Right. And the Bible is actually very clear about that and even describes the displacement of Canaanites by these entering Philistines from the Mediterranean. Um, but, but before we get to that, there's, there's a couple of key uh, indicators as well th- that this was ca- originally Canaanite land, that these first Philistines were actually Canaanites. And you see that when you read about uh, God's promises to Abraham of this land that his descendants will control. It lists it has basically a laundry list of different uh, peoples, none of which include these later Philistines. Uh, Numbers 13 talks about the, um, the Canaanites occupying land on the seacoast. Yeah, maybe I'll just quote that. It says here, Amalek dwells, dwells in the land of the south, and the Hittite and the Jebusite and the Amorite dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanite dwells by the sea. And along by the side of the Jordan. So that pushes all the way up to the Mediterranean, which would be Philistine territory. Right. And Professor James Hoffmeyer, an Egyptologist, has a pretty cool quote about that as well. He writes that, quote, The Israelites understood that prior to the arrival of the Philistines in the early 12th century BCE, the area had been occupied by Canaanites. Uh, So you get this understanding back in Numbers 13. And then you look to... Deuteronomy 2, and this is a really key passage, and it's a passage that describes this Canaanite land that the Israelites are about to take over, and it contains a really interesting parenthetical thought when it refers to this land Mm -hmm. occupied by these later Philistines. It talks about the Canaanites of this land and how they were conquered by people who came from Kaftor. And if you look through the later parts of, of the Tanakh, the book of Amos, as you would have covered in your earlier program, that is where the Philistines that we all know and love, shall we say, who came from the Mediterranean, that's, that's where the Bible says they came from, from Crete, from Kaftor. And so you've got Deuteronomy 2 talking about in parenthetical thought, so probably added by a later editor. So even though it's Deuteronomy, it's not, this isn't Moses writing, this is... right. In similar fashion to perhaps the, the editing of the end of Deuteronomy talking about Moses' death, 
So, so there are certain polities in the Torah that are more obscure, like these original Philistine territories of Ava. Um, and so in that same context of the Avites, there's a parenthetical thought uh, that this territory was conquered by the Kaphtarites and mm-hmm. displaced, and the Kaphtarites now live there. Now, if you go back to those early Jewish sources, uh, like the Midrash Tehillim, they actually reference this verse as explaining that these later Philistines were completely different to the ones of Abraham's day, that the, the, ones, the Philistines that the later Israelites had their dialogue with, they were able to say to them, no, you, you guys aren't the same people as those that our father Abraham talked to because of Deuteronomy 2. This explains that, no, you're a different people. You're not the original Philistines. Uh, so it's a really cool passage uh, for, for more ways than one, but, um, as, as we might get into. But, but it does talk about this very land um, originally belonging to these other peoples, these Arvites, these peoples that fit with the early Philistines of the mm-hmm. Bible, being later replaced by these Kaphtarite Philistines, which are the more famous Mediterranean Philistines. So really, if if you know, if we're going to if we're going to find something that would be an inaccurate in archaeology in terms of material culture, if we're excavating in Ashkelon or one of these sites along the Philistine coast from the time of Abraham or really any time, you know, 16th century. BCE, and if you found your typical, what we would call typical, uh, typical Philistine culture, uh, Mycenaean ware, things like that, uh, or Greek ware, that would be different to what the Bible actually says. You would be finding proof against the Bible uh, if that was the case. And I think you, you kind of, or even Master's report, Daniel Master's report, his DNA evidence showed that they were local Canaanite stock early on living in this right. same area, which again would back up what the Bible actually says. I, re- I want to talk quickly before we end um, about Goliath. We have to. Uh, and how does Goliath kind of bring this all together, I think, in a single individual, uh, I think in a, in a very interesting way? Right. Well, we have to get aside a little bit from the English translation of the Philistines because there's something really peculiar when it comes to the Bible's mention of Philistines. So typically when we read it in English, we'll, we'll read about the Philistines, mm-hmm. the Philistines this, the Philistine king did this or that. Um, and then when we read about Goliath, <clears throat> we read in his dialogue to, to David, him's we read in English him saying, am I not a Philistine? Why are you coming at me with a, a staff? But that's completely the opposite of what the Hebrew Bible says. In, uh, I think it's 300 uh, references to Philistines, only about 10 of them include the word the. And this, is, this isn't normal even for Hebrew. This is really weird. weird. It's been noted about by, by other writers, archaeologists like R.A.S. McAllister. Why is it such an indefinite reference to the Philistines? And that alone points to them as Eliphaloi or, mm-hmm. or this more kind of uh, more vaguely referenced group of people or people of other nations. But when it comes to Goliath, instead of the English a Philistine, him referring to himself as that, the opposite is true. 
repeatedly when it comes to Goliath, he says, am I not the Philistine, the Philistine this, the Philistine that, in reference to Goliath. So you get a sense from the text that Goliath is the original Philistine, or from the stock of the original Philistines, the original, perhaps, Canaanite Philistines. And there are some uh, key points that, that kind of bring that out. Uh, one of them being that Goliath was a giant and was from a family of giants. So when you read about the Philistines, you get the sense of giants and uh, the, of these certain different giants that they fielded in battle. Well, certain scriptures point out that these giants, it, gigantism wasn't a thing with the Philistines in general. Mm -hmm. You don't get that highlighted at all. You don't get it throughout the account of Samson and these other Mycenaean uh, Philistines, but you do in relation to this specific family or familial group of Goliath and his brothers. So, okay, here's, here's within the land of the Philistines, it's like here's a family that are a family of giants, and they're referring to themselves as the Philistines. And then you take that and go back to Deuteronomy 2, and the account that's describing the original land of Philistines that were replaced by these Mycenaean Kaftarite Philistines. And this chapter actually goes through the different giants living in the land and giants living within this land, giants that are referred to as Rephaim, which is the same as, as Goliath and his family. And it's referenced alongside the, the Philistines in several verses as well. So you've got this real uh, sense when you pair it as well with how, how they're described, Goliath as the Philistine, that actually perhaps he was from that stock of giant Canaanites. I mean, the Bible constantly talks about giant Canaanites of, of various families, Rephaim being one, and you get that link to Deuteronomy 2, to this land of the Philistines that was later uh, taken over by these Mycenaean Philistines, and you get a sense that, okay, maybe there were some in the land that were allowed to remain, perhaps some of these Rephaim giants that Goliath then descended from, that were incorporated perhaps as mercenaries into the Philistine army. So Goliath, he's the real one, he's the real deal, and then the other ones that surrounded him, they're the, they're the Greek imports, is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm suggesting, shall we say. <laughs> well, I do think this, this article, I mean, I printed it all out. It's about 10 pages. Um, so if people do want to go ahead and, and back up what we've said, and, and I noticed some of the comments on, on YouTube or something, and they referenced, well, they didn't mention this, or they didn't mention this. Well, definitely go and read the article itself. It's far more comprehensive than we can discuss in such a, such a short time period. This article, again, it's entitled, Are Philistines During Abraham's Time Evidence Against Bible Historicity? It's written by Christopher Eames. He's been talking to me today. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Brent. And I would like to mention again our free magazine on biblical archaeology topics. It's called Let the Stone Speak. This, uh, you can join our growing uh, subscriber base. This is a magazine that comes out six times a year. And it's absolutely free and would love you to get some copies of this. So please do go ahead and, and you can request a subscription to this magazine by going to our website, armstronginstitute.org. And you'll see this, uh, a way to get to this magazine there on the front page. If you scroll down and you can write emails to letters at armstronginstitute.org. 
and we'll hopefully get back to you as soon as we can on those. Thanks again for being with me, Chris, and uh, hopefully people go on, go ahead and read this article. Hope so. Thank you, Brent.